Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm Deacon Al. I'm a permanent deacon of the Peoria Diocese, and it's always a pleasure to be speaking with you here on Catholic Spirit Radio Saturday and Sunday evenings as we talk about the good news of the gospel. Let's talk about how wonderful Christ is and how he's active in our life today, and we learn that through the study and the understanding of the sacred scriptures that we hear during Mass. And before we talk about that, let's talk about the weather. It's Winter is coming. This is the 28th week of Ordinary Time. We're about six weeks away from Advent, which means we're not that far from Christmas. Winter is upon us. And what kind of winter will it be? Isn't that always the question? How much snow? How cold? And I, those of you who don't know, I've been since January on a diet, a very successful diet. I have lost over 60 pounds which is very cool. I have, I have shrunk out of all my winter clothes. So I'm thinking, you know, I've, oh, I did something the other day I did for the first time in 18 years. I changed the oil on my snowblower. 18 years I've had this puppy and I just finally, ch- it has never had an oil change. I've only added oil twice to it. Well, you, you change the oil, it says every, every 50 hours. I don't think it's run 50 hours in 18 years, you know? So uh, especially in the last few years, we've had such mild winters. And I was thinking, I probably ought to change the oil on this puppy. And in doing that, I thought, not only do I have to get the snowblower ready for winter, I have to get me ready. And I have I have shrunk out of all my winter clothes. My winter coats don't fit. They're all baggy. The The wool pants I would wear for snowblowing are way too big. I mean, I need like a rope tied to a to an overhead crane to hold them up. So I thought, time to go get some new clothes, some new winter clothes. So I used to have a, a set of Carhartts. Those of you who know, it's nice, heavy work clothes, right? And I bought these like 30 years ago when I lived in New York and I worked for a, a home improvement store. So I had a discount. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I got Carhartts. <laughs> but my I grew out of them. I got too heavy for them. My son grew up and grew into them. And he took my Carhartts and used them for armor when he played paintball. So now my Carhartts look like a Jackson Pollock painting, which wouldn't be bad. I could still wear them, except he moved out west where there is no snow. And he took my Carhartts with him. So I have no winter clothes. So my immediate thought was, Let's go get some Carhartts. So there's a farm supply store in town that I knew would have Carhartts. Oh my gosh, talk about inflation. I can't believe. Now, I I bought them. I I mean, I cried while I bought them uh, because they cost so much. But man, they are going to be warm. I was working up a sweat just trying them on in the store. Um, And they've changed a lot. The technology of them have changed a lot. They have nice features. And I got the number four warmth ones because the number three warmth, the next step down, which is like $150 less, weighs 50% more. I don't see how you can move around wearing these things. They're so heavy. So I got the warmer ones. But anyway, I'm now ready. My snowblower is ready. 
Now the question is, what will the weather be? So who do you check with? I mean, you check with the big guns. There's, there's the U.S. Weather Service and there's NOAA. I, I can't even pronounce her name. National Oceanographic Aeronautic whatever administration, right? So I want to quote to you. I want to read to you directly from their website. So here's what I Googled. NOAA, winter forecast for central Illinois. And I kid you not, this is a direct quote. And I want you to know, these are government-funded people. We pay taxes to buy these guys all kinds of fancy equipment and hire top-notch scientists to tell us about weather. And here's here's where our tax money goes. Direct quote. An equal chance for precipitation to be normal, above normal, or below normal. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the amount of snowfall, right? What they're telling us, they're sure it'll either be about the same, a little less, maybe a little more. Can't be wrong, can they? But that's what, that's what we're paying taxes on, right? So I think, well, how cold is it going to be? Right? So you go down a little bit further in the article and it gets to temperature. And let me tell you what it says for temperature. An equal chance for temperatures to be normal, above normal, or below normal. Thank you, Noah. Couldn't have done it without you guys. (laughs) Top-notch job. Thumbs up to Noah, everybody. Um, So there you have it. Now you can be prepared for winter because you know exactly what it's going to be like. It's going to be pretty much like it's always been, give or take. And uh, that's all they could... I cannot believe that for the millions, the millions of dollars they get, that's what they come up with. Um, I mean, I was looking for, oh, oh, you know what else it says? This is great. You know when the worst part of winter is going to be? It says this in the article. I kid you not. The worst part of our winter is going to fall during December, January, and partway into February. Yes. Yes. Who would have thought? Because I thought, I was thinking the worst part of winter was going to hit around June, July. No, no. The worst part of winter is going to be during December, January, halfway into February. I am just, I am gobsmacked by, by the brilliance of this organization. So, uh, so I'm going by the woolly caterpillar method, right? You check out the woolly. So the way I look at it is if, if my car isn't stopped by running over a woolly caterpillar, then I know we're going to have average, below average, or above average uh, winter. So, oh my gosh. Anyway, I, I digress, but I just had to share that because I thought that was that was kind of outrageous. So besides weather, what are we talking about? Well, in the Peoria Diocese, we're talking about growing disciples. Growing disciples is um, a marvelous undertaking. I want to start off by saying I've I've gotten to meet um, our bishop, Bishop Lou Tilka, a few times. One of them right here at the radio station. He was here for, for an interview. Very gracious. I've gotten to serve Mass with him a couple of times, and we've had a chance to talk before and after. And uh, I find him to be a delight. He's very personable. Uh, he's got a good sense of humor. He's, he's a very uh, holy man. I mean, I, I think he has a great temperament. 
uh, I think he has a great love for Christ from the conversations we've had and and the the homilies I've I've heard him give. Uh, and and I believe that his number one priority is evangelization, bringing more people to Christ, and bringing the people of of the church closer, but bringing people outside of our of our Catholic family into a relationship with Christ. And I firmly believe that is that as as the shepherd of this flock, that truly is his number one focus, which is what uh, drove him to start this growing discipleship uh, program, Growing Disciples. And I think he did it right. He got lay representatives uh, from every parish in the diocese, at least five key lay people from, from every parish, along with uh, the pastor. And they've been holding a series of meetings looking at uh, five pillars of what it's going to take to grow disciples. And in that, in that uh, program, they've been talking about how to best utilize our uh, human resources, our lay ministers, as well as our ordained clergy, how best to use our properties, our churches, our schools, things of that sort. And they've had, they've had really um, detailed and difficult conversations about this. And we've learned the results of this just this past uh, couple of Sundays ago, where uh, the Growing Disciple website has the proposal for how we will make use of our churches in the very near future. And a, and a lot of it is something that dioceses all over the country is doing, where they're they're reorganizing parishes. They're making parishes larger with more people in the parish and multiple worship centers. So where a parish used to be the neighborhood around a church, and we've, we always thought of the building as the parish, which was always a mistake. Vatican II tried to explain that, and a lot of people still didn't get the message. The building is not the parish. The building is, even though it's called a church, in Scripture, when, when Christ talks about a church, he's not talking about go out and make buildings. He talk, he's talking about gathering people into the body of Christ. The people are the church, not the building. And I think that's something we've, we've too many of us have lost track of over the centuries. And even over this last 60-some years of, of post-Vatican II, people still didn't get that message that the building is not the church. The people, the minister, the ministry of the people is the church. And so he's so what a lot of the dioceses are doing is they're making larger parish communities with multiple worship centers in them. And in some cases, closing existing buildings, churches, uh, because there simply isn't enough people. We've had we've had huge declines, and not just the Catholic Church, all Christian churches have had huge declines in attendance. Um, right now, I mean, if you want to call secularism a religion, and I think a lot of people treat it as such, if you're going to look at secularism as a religion, it's growing. And Christianity is not growing at, at that speed. Some of the some denominations are growing a little bit at a time. Catholicism, believe it or not, more people every year are becoming Catholics 
We're just not doing anything about it. I mean, I, I look at, at my own parish, at, at our attendance. When, when I started attending this church, probably 30, maybe almost 35 years ago, it was five masses a weekend, and it was shoulder to shoulder in, in the pews, every mass, every mass. Um, that is not the case anymore. We can, we can fit into our entire weekend now is equal to half the mass attendance of one of those five masses. That's, that's, that's horrible. I mean, that's like a 76% decline. That's, that's horrible. And uh, some parishes are seeing more, some are seeing less. We have some parishes in this diocese that are, that the entire Saturday, Sunday attendance is 30 people. 30 people. Maybe that's not the best use of our human and, and physical resources. And that's one, just one of the aspects of parish life that growing discipleship, uh, growing disciples was looking at. And so they've posted now their, the, the proposed plan, the final announcement to be made in May of 2024 uh, around Pentecost as to what the bishop, it's, they're, they're technically his churches, he's the bishop, he's the shepherd, um, his final decision as to what facilities will remain in use, who will be merged or grouped with, with other uh, parishes into, into single parishes, and what uh, resources will no longer be in use. It's a fancy way of saying what churches will be closed. Okay, so that list is out there now. And if you want to see it, I'll have to admit one thing, and if, uh, if Bishop Lou was here, I would happily say this to him, uh, to his face. I think they, they made a grave error in how they posted this information on the diocesan website because it is not easy to find. They put out the word that it's on the site, but even the link they give doesn't take you directly to the information. So if you want to see what the diocesan plan is and how it directly relates to your town, then go to the Catholic Diocese of Peoria website, which is the initials C-D-O-P, Catholic Diocese of Peoria, dot org. When you go to C-D-O-P dot org, on the, on the main page, you'll see at the very top, Growing Disciples. Click on that. And that will take you to the Growing Disciples pages. And if you look at that first page, you won't find this proposal anywhere on it. But if you go to the upper right-hand corner, there are two parallel lines that say nothing. It's, it's, a, it's an option menu. So you're used to seeing like three lines, what they call the hamburger. Well, this is the bun. It's just two parallel lines in the upper right-hand corner. Click on those two lines. Those will take you to another page. And on that other page, you click the plan, the proposed plan. That will take you to another page. And if you scroll down to the bottom of that page, you will find maps and data tables and proposals as to what's going to happen in that area. And unfortunately, it it does include merging several merges of parishes into lar- new larger parishes. And unfortunately, it has had to include um, 
the uh, the closing of some churches at some some point in the near future. What's going to happen to them? When it's going to happen? That's not decided yet. This is a proposal. And what I would like to urge all my listeners to do is go to that page, watch the two videos that are there. They're very important videos. Read the data uh, for your area and look at the proposal. And if you have feedback, give us your feedback. Bishop Lou wants your feedback. He's given us months to get feedback in, in time for him to look it over, because this is not the final decision. What you're going to see is a proposal. And if you have a better idea and you can present good reason for changing this proposal, please use the process and make your opinion known. So here's the process. Every parish in the diocese is having or has had a parish meeting. If your parish has not met yet, Find out when that meeting is and go to it and take part in that meeting. There is a form online where you can uh, put your feedback and send it directly to the diocese. Use that form. If If you're not computer savvy, your parish will give you a printed out version of the form that you can fill it in by hand and mail it in. The bishop wants your feedback. This is a proposal. And it's very possible that seven months from now, when he makes his final decision, some things on the proposal might change, but it's not going to change without your input. So be part of the process. We're going to talk more about what not to do is actually amazingly part of our readings that we're going to go into. So our first reading for the 28th Sunday of Ordinary Time comes from the prophet Isaiah. I love Isaiah. Uh, He's one of my favorite prophets. And I know Elijah gets a lot of of the thumbs up nowadays. Uh, You know, he's, for a long time, he's been kind of like the prophet of prophets. But I like Isaiah. Um, Elijah talks a lot about uh, the tribes of Israel and bringing them back into step with, with God's plan. Isaiah talks a lot about the coming Messiah, and it's amazing uh, to me uh, how right on the mark he is. I mean, so detailed to the point that he couldn't just guess this information. This has to be divinely inspired. And it also proves at the other end that Jesus was the Christ because no one could live a life in such detail as was professed by Isaiah, it just that just doesn't happen by accident. So to me, the this is proof both before and after uh, the coming of Christ of 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 the the true divinity of, of Jesus. So remember, this is hundreds of years before the birth of Christ that Isaiah writes this, and he's he's standing by the way. He's standing on Mount Zion when he's talking, which is basically he's, on, he's in Jerusalem. He's, he's, when he talks about on this mountain, he's talking about Jerusalem, that this is what I'm about to say is going to happen here. And he says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all people a feast of rich food and choice wines, juicy, rich food and pure choice wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples. 
the veil that is woven over all nations, he will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. The reproach of his people he will remove from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken, on that day it will be said, Behold our God to whom we look to save us. This is the Lord for whom we looked. Let us rejoice and be glad that he has saved us. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. The word of the Lord. So when you when you think about that at his time, he's talking about the coming of the Messiah and he's saying it's going to happen right here in Jerusalem. And then when you compare that to the life of Christ, the rich feast, well, he gave us his body as, as real food. Uh, the wines, his, his blood from the cross on, on that mountain. So uh, this is, to me, this is just a, a wondrous prophecy. And it's, it's so filled with such great symbolism that the veil of death will be torn away, that the tears of everyone, and that what Jesus said that, you know, the, death, where is your sting? That through his crucifixion, he takes away the fear of death because we have nothing to fear anymore uh, if, if we have a life in Christ and, and Christ in us. And the important thing here is that life rests not in a building, but in the sacrifice of Christ, in the Mass. And it's, it's in the Mass that we find this, this great salvation, not through the, the necessarily the specific building that the Mass takes place in. In our second reading, this is uh, Paul to the Philippians. And again, to me, this and maybe others will see it differently, but for me, this speaks specifically to the situation that the people of Christ in the Peoria Diocese are going through at the moment. Brothers and sisters, I know how to live in humble circumstance. I know also how to live with abundance. In every circumstance and in all things, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance and of being in need. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Still, it was kind of you to share in my distress. My God will fully supply whatever you need in accordance with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. So Paul's saying that when things in his life were really, really bad, he could survive that because he had his faith in Christ. When things were really, really good, he could, he could handle that in measure because of his faith in Christ. We have lived in abundance, haven't we? I mean, think of all the churches we have and how they used to be filled to the, to the brim with, with uh, devoted Catholics. So we've lived in abundance, and we did great in abundance. But then we've also lived in poverty. We've seen in the last 20 years, uh, especially during COVID, you know, we've lost, uh, we've had a lot of uh, people not come to the priesthood. Our, the number of clergy is, is way, way down. We now have, we, we have more deacons than we have priests in our, in our diocese. And we have more parishes than we have deacons. Uh, so that's part of, part of our problem. That's, that's part of our hunger that we have right now. So we've, we've lived in abundance and, and now we're, we're living in, in more humble circumstances. 
But we can survive this just as we survived living in abundance. We can survive this part of our history as well, as long as we keep our focus where it belongs. And that's not on our misery. That's on our humility before Christ. Uh, God, God gives us grace through all circumstances, as long as we keep our focus where our focus belongs. Uh, so as we work our way through uh, the changes and this rejuvenation of the church through growing disciples, let's let's keep our focus on on the goodness and the glory and the riches in Christ rather than in stuff in our, in in our uh, assets. Our uh, our our gospel comes from uh, Matthew. Still, we're in, we're in. Uh, the A cycle, so it's mostly Matthew readings from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus, again in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet, my calves and fatted cattle are killed, and everything's ready, come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away. One to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. And the king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. That's a pretty telling story. I mean, if you take it at the time it was written, uh, the, the prophet is, uh, the Jesus is reminding uh, the, the Jewish leaders that the king, God, is throwing a feast for his son, Jesus, and everything's ready. This is it. The the Messiah is among you. Let's party. And the Jewish people, for the most part, turned away, especially Jewish leaders, didn't recognize him, turned away from him. In fact, uh, just as they they killed some of the the, uh, servants who went to call people to the feast— they they beheaded John the Baptist. You know that they, they killed the prophets that that told about the coming. So this is a, the this parable is is a living out of the coming of the Messiah among the people and how the Jewish people turned away. And so God turned to the Gentiles, just like He went out and He said, "Invite everybody," 
to the feast. So now when, when, when the Jewish people didn't come, even though the Messiah came specifically for them, they rejected him. So now they go to the Gentiles and they invite the Gentiles to the feast. And some, some came willingly and some came out of curiosity and some came just because you're throwing a feast, I'm hungry, I'll eat. And you know, if we look at that in today's church, uh, every Mass, God holds a feast for us, the Eucharist. Every, every Mass in every church in the world. Who's coming? The, the halls should be filled for this feast. And yet even, even Catholics aren't coming to Mass. And it's not just us. Presbyterians aren't filling the Presbyterian Church. Baptists aren't filling the Baptist churches anymore. It's it's throughout Christendom that we're we're seeing this this feast being held, and the the people who are invited not coming. So what happens? Well, nothing good. I mean, you're just you're upsetting the king. You're, you're turning away this, this, this royal invitation. And he says, what, I'm not good enough? And some people who are coming come for the wrong reasons. They don't actually come with an open heart, uh, with, with, with a heart ready and willing to accept Christ. That's, that's the man coming without the, the, the wedding garment. He comes without the, without the right attitude, without the acceptance of, of Christ as Savior. And so he gets thrown out. And I think this last line is, is very telling. Many are invited, few are chosen. I don't think it's by accident that we're seeing this reduction in, in attendance at all Christian churches. You know, we, we talk often about um, entering through the narrow gate, and I think a lot, of, a lot of us have taken that for granted. And God's making it very clear how narrow that gate is. And it's getting narrower. And yet fewer and fewer people are, are entering. And when the final judgment comes, and who knows when it'll come, but someday it will come, <laughs> many are invited, few are chosen. If you hope to be among those chosen, Better start doing something about it. Better start living a life in closer relationship to Christ. And that begins in Mass. Something to give serious consideration to this weekend. And as always, I I wish you only the best and only the best relationship uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you always and in all ways. Deacon Al. Have a good weekend. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.